Welcome to New Mercies, a podcast by Mercy Ships, where we'll take you behind the scenes and onboard our incredible hospital ships that are transforming lives all over the world. We invite you to join us each week as we sit down with our crew, patients, volunteers, and partners to hear their stories of life-changing hope and healing. Today, we get to hear from Dr. Andrew Clark. Dr. Andrew joined Mercy Ships as a physician 30 years ago and today serves as our international chaplain. With an excitement for the crew of Mercy Ships and a passion for God, Dr. Andrew is sure to inspire you on today's episode. Well, Dr. Andrew Clark, we are so excited to have you on the New Mercies podcast today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a great uh, pleasure to be with you. I have to start by saying congratulations because 2022 marks 30 years of service for you with Mercy Ships, which is quite outstanding. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it seems like quite a long time too. But actually, my journey with Mercy Ships started in 1983 as a donor. I met the Anastasis uh, in my hometown of Dunedin in New Zealand. And that's where I first came to know Mercy Ships. So uh, eventually joined Mercy Ships in 1992, but uh, had the connection there from 1983. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. Well, I know over this many years, you have quite a few stories to share both on ship and off ship. So we're so excited to hear some of those stories today. And why don't we just kick off with the beginning? Tell us how you first got involved with Mercy Ships and what was it like in those early years? I was in uh, medical school, actually, in uh, New Zealand, and uh, I was uh, actually born in South Africa. So I have this strange accent of people listening, (laughs) probably trying to pick where is he from. I was born in South Africa, and I spent 14 years there. And then I went to medical school in Dunedin in New Zealand. So that's where we were living at the time. We emigrated to New Zealand in uh, 1977. And it was during that time that my father was involved with a minister's fraternal a minister's group. He was a, a, an Anglican minister. And he told me about this ship that was going to come to the port in Dunedin and uh, thought that I might be interested in it because it was a medical ship. And so that's where my interest first started. And I went on board, uh, went on a tour and uh, experienced um, the ship from, uh, from the perspective of a visitor on board. But there was something there that was I was kind of drawn to. And the strange thing for me was that I had this strange sense that I'd been on this ship before and I couldn't picture it. I couldn't work it out. And I eventually um, realized when I spoke to my dad that uh, we had actually emigrated from South Africa in, uh, on, a, on, a, on a ship from the Lloyd Tristino line. And that was the very same line of the Anastasis, which was formerly called the Victoria. And the Galileo Galilei, the ship that we emigrated on, and the Victoria were sister ships. They were identical oh ships. Oh, my goodness. And so this was this very weird feeling that I've been on this ship before, but it was more than just that. It was just for the very first time, I think I realized that there was a really practical outworking of Christianity that I never thought about. And mm-hmm. that perhaps the reason that I was going into medicine, because at that stage, I didn't really feel comfortable in medical school. I wasn't too sure why I was there in a sense of, was this the right pick? You know, when you're young and, and, the, mm-hmm. and the other thing about New Zealand is that you go into medical school virtually out of school. You don't get to do a degree. So mm-hmm. I was like 17 when I first went uh, into the first year of medical school. And I was just so young and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. And 
And there was a sense that, wow, there's a whole area that I had never explored. And that mm. is that medicine could be used in a missional way. Wow. And so that was very exciting for me. And I think that's what I was kind of attracted to back. Oh, that's so neat. Well, then you finished medical school and then did Mercy Ship circle back around in your heart and in your mind? Or how did you end up joining the mission? Yeah, so I became a donor and I was um, very faithful as a donor. And uh, it was interesting because uh, I had really settled in to life as a young physician. I had some of the trappings. I had a nice house uh, that was architecturally designed and was in a really nice area and and um, had a, a little um, nice little sporty type red car. And, and uh, I remember driving out of the driveway and one day and I'd forgotten something. So I went back and I went into the house and I, I got the thing that I needed to get and was going out of the house and the phone started ringing. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to answer that because back then, I, I, you know, some people will, will the listeners, listeners will, will know that we had these things called little tape recorders <laughs> that uh, that you, you you know answer phones, and um, this was way back in the day, right? And and so uh, this was back in 1991, and I thought, oh, the answer phone will answer it, but for some reason, I felt no, I need to answer this, and so I actually walked back in the house. The phone was still ringing, and I picked it up, and uh, it was uh, someone from New Zealand who uh, was, was just letting me know, hey, um, you know, we've got a ship here that we're going to be using and we're going to be sailing under, under mercy ships. And uh, we um, are calling all of the donors to find out what is, uh, you know, just, and you're one of the donors, you know, and we just want to know who you are and a little bit more about you. And it was a great donor call. Mm. And then he found out that I was a, a physician. And at this stage, um, I had done training as a family physician. And I had um, moved up to a, um, a, a town in the North Island of, of New Zealand called Tauranga and, um, and was working there as a young physician. And suddenly um, he was like, you know, you're a physician. This is a medical ship. We would be really interested in you joining us for mm. a trip. And I said to him, no, I'm you know, super busy. I was working as a locum physician. So I was looking after other doctors' practices. Okay. And I said to him, no, I'm really super busy. I just can't, you know, can't do it. I said to him, well, when is it? And he told me the dates that they were sailing. And I looked up on the calendar and uh, there was this kind of a shiver that went through me because I had forgotten that I had tried really hard to get work for a certain period of time. I was fully booked up for most of the year, except for nine consecutive weeks. He said to me, you know, these are the dates. And it was a seven week period. And I looked up at the calendar and it was bang smack in the middle of those nine weeks where I had no work. Wow. And so I just said to him, you know, I think I said to him, uh, let me pray about it, which was a silly thing to say, because God was like almost saying, this is, this is, I want you to do this. This is, I've organized it. That's why you haven't been able to get the work for this time. And I mean, I had, I I was fully booked beforehand and fully booked afterwards. But there was this crazy time when I had nothing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I just see how God works, you know, even go looking back, looking back at the fact that, that um, uh, he was working uh, e- even for me to go on, um, you know, uh, on the ship, the, state, the sister ship on the Anastasis. And yeah. interestingly enough, too, when we, we, we traveled as a family in, in Norway uh, in the early 70s, and I went on a ship there called the Prolalus in Norway, which eventually we bought, Mercy Ships bought as the Caribbean Mercy. Wow. And I lived on that ship for three years. Isn't it funny how God sort of puts things in place? Um, but yeah, in, in the end, I said yes. Um, 
to going uh, on the Pacific Ruby and I sailed on that ship and uh, that was in 1991. And then in mm. 1992, uh, decided uh, to join uh, full time. So, yeah. Wow. Now, a little fun fact about you. You are possibly the only person who has served on all of the Mercy Ships vessels. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there may have been one or two others that have uh, that have uh, been on all of the ships. But uh, I think once I sail on the Global Mercy, uh, which will be uh, in February, I believe, I think uh, that will be the first time that uh, that I've sailed on all six ships and signed on wow. articles on all six ships. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. Oh my goodness. Well, you went and joined as a doctor. Yeah. So what was that like in the early days? Tell us about being a doctor on board. Yeah, you know, um, I, I can only really speak from my own experience, which was on a smaller ship. So mm-hmm. of course we had the Anastasis and the Anastasis was... Re, refitted so that they could have a hospital on board and so they could have uh, operating rooms on board as well. Um, but on the Pacific Ruby, we didn't have uh, an operating rooms. And so mm. we had to do a lot of work off the ship. And uh, I, I don't mean, it was exciting. There was uh, a lot of um, exciting things that we could do. And we did a lot of dental work and we did a lot of um, eye work. You know, the different places that we went to and the, uh, the, the, the lack of access to medical care. And I think we talk a lot about this in Mercy Ships, the, the lack of access to surgical care yeah. um, is such an important thing. And, um, you know, so many people in the world today lack access to safe, affordable and timely surgery. Yeah. And that's what I saw, you know, in these different places. And that was that the, they were able to take care of, um, of their, um, their people pretty much from a primary care perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they didn't have was the specialist care, in particular, the surgery. Wow. And uh, that was really, really, really tough. And I remember one particular story. So you asked me kind of like, what was things like? And yeah. we were on the, my very first trip uh, on the Pacific Ruby. We were in uh, the Cook Islands and we sailed to an island that was way up, just right, right close to the equator. So the very, very top of the, of the Cook Islands. And the Cook Islands is spread out over... I can't remember. I think it's like 2 million square uh, miles or something or kilometers. It, mm. It's a huge part of, of the ocean. I'm, I might've got my figures wrong there, but it's very, very spread out. And so we went to this very remote Island. And uh, when we got to the Island, um, they were like excited because they said there was someone there that needed surgery. And um, we had uh, myself and then there was uh, an ophthalmologist um, on board. And then we had another doctor. It was actually the minister of health. Um, and none of us were surgeons hmm. and, um, and she needed surgery. And, uh, I remember, um, thinking at the time, um, you know, there's nothing we can do. And yet they were looking to us and saying, yeah, you, you brought the ship here and, and can you please help? Hmm. And, um, it was a sad story. I mean, she had a, um, a, a baby that had died in utero. Hmm. And, uh, so, um, uh, she, uh, she needed surgery. And I remember, um, you know, thinking I, I was very self-focused at that stage because I thought everyone's looking at me. I'm the crew doctor. And of course, the ophthalmologist, I mean, he, 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 wasn't, <laughs> he was not about to, to do obstetric <laughs> surgery. And, and the uh, minister of health um, was, uh, was in, you know, he was in um, uh, uh, management now. And so he wasn't about to do anything. And I mean, even if we could have, hmm. we didn't have an operating room on the ship. There was no operating room. You know, it was a small clinic on this island. 
but there was no operating room there. We didn't have anesthetic. We didn't have instruments. Wow. And we didn't have one of those little books, you know, that, that says how to do surgery when you don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, you couldn't, that, you couldn't watch a video on YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah, right. There was nothing like there's no internet back then. And, um, and so, you know, we didn't have one of those books and there are books that are written, you know, sort of for how to do surgery and then are quite cool like that, but it's essentially how do you do surgery when you don't know how to do surgery. Um, and, and so there was nothing, we just, we couldn't help this person. And I remember feeling completely and utterly helpless and I was really quite mad at God because this mm. was our first patient. Wow. And I thought to myself, you know, here I am. I'd been, I'd been introduced to the organization in 1983. This is nine, now 1991. I'm super excited to finally be part of, uh, of the organization and to be working with them. And there's absolutely nothing I can do. And I remember going out and just standing under this palm tree and just really very angry with God, if I'm going to be absolutely honest. Mm. And I was like, God, why are you doing this? You know, I mean, if, if you'd given me a patient like, someone with a sore throat or, 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 or a cold or even pneumonia, you know, I could deal with that. But this is a surgical case and we don't have any way to operate and we can't do anything. Hmm. And I remember it was very, very self-focused. I was, I was extremely negative and it was all about, oh, you know, I can't do anything. It was all about me. Hmm. And um, I remember while, while I was sort of um, wallowing in misery and, and, and uh, just you know, getting mad about this whole situation that I couldn't do anything, I remember this woman, young woman came up and tapped me on the shoulder and she said, hey, look, we need to go and pray for this, this, this woman. As she, was, she, was, she was one of our crew members. Hmm. And I said, I turned around to her and I remember saying this, I turned around to her and I looked at her and I said, Margie, she doesn't need prayer, she needs an operation. That's, wow. that's how, that's how um, sort of like... Uh, self-focused I was mm. and um and Margie said you know what there isn't anything you can do right now so we need to pray for her and I was like okay you know fine I'll come with you you know and then she we went to this the room and, and she asked me if I would pray and I said you know honestly I'm in such a bad place at the moment I think you need to pray so she goes okay and then she said I think well I'll start by singing over her and I nearly lost it Ryan. I mean I was like mm. sing over her I thought you were going to pray over her. I mean I, <laughs> you can tell I was just in such a bad place yeah. Um, just from myself. And it was a selfish place. It was a self-centered place. And, um, and in the end, um, I said, okay, you know, you pray. And Margie said a short prayer. And I thought, wow, that was short, you know, but anyway, um, it, you know, we, we went away and, and we went back to the ship and we were, we were um, slightly out um, uh, uh, on a, um, on the ship. We had to go out in a Zodiac. And uh, the next morning I came back. Uh, by the way, we did do what we could do. So we put in an intravenous lineup and we put in some intravenous antibiotics, but, you know, she was in a serious place. She really mm -hmm. needed um, the, the dead fetus to come to, to be uh, delivered. And I remember going back and thinking, you know, I'm going to come back and she's not going to be okay. And there was a nurse on the island who'd been kind of looking after her um, and um, went back. And when I got to the room, she was sitting at the edge of her bed. And she was completely better from really being deathly ill the, the, the wow. night before. And, uh, and she motioned to me and then through a translator, she explained that in the middle of the, of the night, she had um, this urge to pass um, this dead fetus. And she did. And uh, mm. she passed the, the, the fetus and, and, uh, and everything. And, um, and she was um, completely better. Mm. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I kind of went back to that, that tree, you know, where I got, got mad at God, yeah. um, the palm tree. And I just said, God, I'm really, really sorry. Mm. Um, I was so focused on what I couldn't do. I never, I didn't, I didn't even think about what you could do. And I was selfish. And, you know, and I think that was a highlight for me. It was the beginning yeah. of my time in mercy ships where I realized that um, 
and 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 someone gave me a plaque, um, and I've got I still have the plaque in my uh, in my office. But they gave me this plaque, and the plaque essentially says this: that God never asks about your ability or your inability; He asks about your availability. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I thought to myself, and that's a powerful thing. Absolutely. God never asks. It doesn't mean that I've heard the quote um, misquoted where it says God doesn't care about. No, he really does care about your abilities. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, we, we, we care about, Mercy Ships cares about abilities. <laughs> yes. You know, we're, we're not going to put people in positions that they're not qualified for. Absolutely. Um, and so everyone is highly qualified. I mean, you have to be qualified. But, but God doesn't start by asking about whether you're able or whether you're in. You're, he doesn't ask about your abilities or inabilities. Mm. He starts by asking, are you available? Yeah. And I had made myself available, except I didn't make myself available to the, the living God. I didn't go to him and say, God, there's nothing I can do. I am here. I am. What do I need to do here? And had I done that and had I had that posture, I think the Lord would have said, you know, well, you can pray, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, that was a really, really important lesson. And I remember going on and, and that really shaped how I, um, how I approached um, things from then onwards, because as, as I said, you know, we couldn't do surgery, which, uh, which is so, so important. And I'm, I'm just thrilled that that's what Mercy Ships focuses on right now. But yeah. we did do what we could do. And there were times when we could do great stuff. And there were things, times when, uh, when you know, you took your five loaves and fishes and you put them into the master's hands and you see, you saw him do um, amazing things. Um, I remember another story uh, later on uh, the following year where there was um, a, a little child and there was nothing that we could do. I mean, it, literally they were, um, they had a very, very severe uh, infection and a fever, and I wasn't too sure. And I remember, you know, we did what we could do. And um, the mom looked at us and said, is there anything else you can do? And I said, well, I would like to pray. Mm. And she said, yes, I would like that too. And uh, we prayed for this little child. And the next day we came back and the little, the little boy was completely well. Um, wow. And I remember looking at, at the mom and she just looked at me and through translator, she said, God has healed my baby. Wow. And uh, she recognized where the healing had come from. I mean, we had done some stuff, you know, we gave antibiotics and all, but um, so the sort of like, and those are sort of stories that are not, um, you know, they're not the, the stories that most of the times we were able to do something and we, we were able to, to see um, uh, God work through us and, and, yeah. and through the medicines that we could provide. And ultimately, of course, now the surgeries that we can provide, but sometimes, you know, there's been miraculous stories and I don't know how to answer all of those because I don't know why <laughs> sometimes it's miraculous and sometimes there's th things don't work out, but uh, God is sovereign, isn't he? Absolutely. And so you yeah. just have to say, God, we're here. Um, we are required to give you the five loaves and fishes. Yeah. We are required to put those into your hands and we look to you to use those to multiply them to feed your yeah, people. Absolutely. That's, you know, that's kind of what we do. Yeah. I love how you shared just that you were so focused on yourself and so selfish and, and, and motivated by what you could and couldn't do, but yet God was transforming your heart and God was transforming you through that time to show you, you need to rely on me because I can yeah. do things even more than you will ever be able to do. And yeah, it's just, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I often, I'll, I'll sometimes say to people, because I, I, I work in chaplaincy now, so 
Um, before that, I, w- I was in organizational development for a little bit, but but then uh, which was you know essentially the health of the organization. Um, but now um, I'm in, involved in the spiritual health uh, of the organization and and uh, of our crew. And I've, I've often said, and I remember just recently, um, I was I was meeting with someone um, on one of the ships, and and I I looked at them at one stage. I looked at them and I said, you know, I think that that. Um, uh, you need mercy ships as much as mercy ships needs you. Mm. And uh, they sort of looked at me and they were like, you know, I think you're right. Mm. Because what happens is that people come because they have a talent and a gift um, and they have a, um, uh, something that they can, you know, um, uh, an occupation, something that they can do and they, they can provide for, um, for the ship so that we can do what we do. Yeah. And, um, you know, people come with their roles and with their, their gifts and with their talents. But um, what, what often happens is that God starts to, to work in them mm-hmm. as well. And so many times I've heard people say, you know, I think I got more, I feel like I got more out of mercy ships than I gave. And of course, you know, we, we never know how much we give, right? And we're always our own worst critics and we don't really realize the, you know, the gifts that we, we're able to, um, you know, to, to, uh, to give um, the gift of ourself and, and our experience and our talents and all. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing is, is that I think that so often God does really reach into our lives. Yeah. And um, the, the great thing about the sovereignty and the majesty and the, um, the glory of God is how he takes people and he uses people, broken people uh, often to, uh, to do amazing things. Yeah. And in the, and in, in the, in, in the, um, uh, the time that you do those things, he starts doing amazing things in you. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah, I just, I just think uh, it's wonderful to see, people are being transformed and we talk about you know lives being transformed but it's not just our patients that are transformed it's often our crew um, and our volunteers that are transformed as well you have a passion for sharing god's love and truth and i'm sure it's no surprise to anyone listening that you eventually found yourself serving in chaplaincy so tell us about chaplaincy on board and what the purpose of it is so chaplaincy we have a sort of a two-tiered um, approach that uh, we have kind of essentially two different teams, but working under the umbrella umbrella of chaplaincy, the big umbrella. But mm-hmm. one of our teams is chaplains that work with the crew, and the other um, the other team is the chaplains that work with the with the uh, the patients. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and and they're two very different teams because they have two di- very different ideals. Sure. And um, you know, Mercy Ships is uh, is often I think it's Angie. Bailey, uh, who's been heading up uh, HR for many years, she coined a phrase by saying that it's the toughest job that you'll ever love. <laughs> and, um, and I love that. You know, it is the toughest job that you'll ever love. And I think people would attest to that, but yeah. it's also a tough job. It's and tough. sometimes it's tough. You see stuff that you, that you haven't seen before. You see tumors mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and conditions that you've never seen before. If you're in the medical side of things, um, you see um, all sorts of different things. And I often think, you know, um, that, like we've, we've got this situation where we've brought a whole bunch of people together from d- d- different age groups, <laughs> different uh, language, uh, languages, ethnicities yeah. from different countries. Um, 
we we bring them together and and they have different personalities as male and female there's um uh, there's uh, different socioeconomic groups there's different occupational groups uh, there's different denominational groups um <laughs> there's some people that have a very strong faith there's some people um that that uh, um are early in their faith faith walk with um with the lord there's others that are still you know wondering what is this all about and uh yeah. we're not there yet and so you bring all of these people and you put them all on one, like in one building, essentially, right? right. Uh, and you say, you say to them, oh, by the way, you're going to live in this building <laughs> and, and you're going to work in this building and you're going to worship in this building and you're going to play and recreate in this building, you know, and, and this is going to be your home for the next X number of months. Uh, yeah. And sometimes, you know, years. And so, of course, you know, uh, we will get... Um, into situations where we need someone to walk alongside of us. Absolutely. And I often joke and say, you know, do you, 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 you must know the verse that says wherever two or three are gathered together um, in, in the name of Jesus, there will be conflict. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, it doesn't say that, right? But I mean, I often think that, you know, that's, that's sort of the way it is sometimes because right. you've got people of all various different people and we're putting them all together. And so one of the things that we want to do is that we want to point people to Jesus because he is the one thing that unites all of us. Yeah. And so we want to inspire people to follow Jesus and to make him known as we live out our core values in community. Mm. And so what we actually do is that we promote spiritual, emotional, and relational health for our staff and crew. Um, we do uh, assessments. Uh, we do spiritual formation which is a really important part of what we do. And then we do member care, hmm. we come alongside people. And we always aim to be objective. Uh, we want to be safe. We want to be impartial in order to provide the best possible environment for spiritual growth and development. Yeah. And so that's uh, something that we, that we feel that we would love to do. And, and when we think about the future, like what is the future like? Like what would it look like if chaplaincy was doing a really, really great job? Um, uh, in, in, in the organization. And I think we envision a vibrant, healthy community mm. where God is glorified and individuals discover and live out of their purpose. Wow. And I think that's why I would say, um, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before and I was saying how important it is to realize that when you come to Mercy Ships, you come thinking, oh, <laughs> I've got so much to give. Mm. But you then realize, oh my gosh, I got so much. And yeah. that's the piece. It's coming and yeah. realizing that, um, you know, that I can come to this organization to give, but at the same time, I'm going to discover and live out my purpose yeah. or whatever, however that long that is. And for me, it's 30 years. Um, mm. For others, it's much longer. Um, uh, Don and Dion, who you've had on the podcast, you know, they started Mercy Ships, you know, over 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, for, um, for others, it's, it's just a very short period of time. Um, maybe it's um, just a few months or a few years. Mm. Um, but I think that, um, that each one of us, you know, comes and we can, we can discover and live out our purpose. And so hopefully, if we're doing a great job in chaplaincy, we're working to uh, inspire people to follow Jesus, to live out the core, to make him known, to live out the core values in community. And then we end up with this vibrant, healthy community where yeah. God is glorified and others, you know, and, and people live out and find and, and live out their purpose. Well, I think it's wonderful that Mercy Ships is intentional with caring for their crew. And it's true with any role on board. It is the hardest job you'll ever love. 
The speaking of intentional, our new ship, the Global Mercy, was intentionally built, not only with the patients in mind, but also the crew. Now, you've just been on the Global Mercy, so tell us about this new ship and how it will facilitate spiritual growth and development for those on board. I mean, the ship itself is just wonderful. It, it is purpose-built. There's a beautiful verse in Luke 2.52, and it says that Jesus grew in stature, in wisdom, and in favor with God and man. Mm. In other words, that's a whole person development. He grew physically in stature. He grew uh, in favor with God, which is spiritual development. He grew in favor with man, which is interpersonal development. Hmm. And he he, um, grew in wisdom, which is intellectual development. And so when we have people coming to our ship, we're, we're cognizant of the fact that they're whole people. And that they have spiritual lives. They have a physical part of their being. They have a spiritual part. They have uh, an emotional, social part. And they have an intellectual part. And I think when I, when I walked around the ship, I realized, gosh, we have got things on board that cater to every part of that. And um, we have a beautiful chapel uh, on, on the ship, which oh, wow. is dedicated for the worship of God, uh, for personal devotionals, personal reflection, and also for team devotionals. Mm. And it is a, it's just a beautiful place. And, it, you know, when I first went into it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this feels like a, a, a holy place, you know? Mm. Um, and we're going to be very excited to, when we're in, in Rotterdam, uh, the donor of the chapel, the person that actually donated money for the chapel, I think is going to be in Rotterdam. And we're going to, we're going to consecrate the chapel and have a consecration service wow. um, and just invite the, the Lord and the Holy Spirit to be in that place and to, and to, to work in and through people that come into that place. But I could already sense that there was just a wonderful feeling as I walked into the chapel and there's a couple of really mm. beautiful stained glass windows there. Um, and so we have a chapel. We have a really great international lounge where we have our main meetings uh, and we can have our, because um, the chapel is small. It's great for small services, but not yeah. for the whole crew. And so we have a, an incredible international lounge where we can have our um, services, where we can have Sunday services, which mm. is something that we do. So we provide Sunday services for people uh, that, are, that are on our vessels, normally in the Sunday evenings, because we want to encourage people to go to local churches during those Sunday mornings. And then we have a Thursday community gathering where we meet together uh, in, in the international lounge just to share stories, to, to build up uh, one another's faith. To, to do that through testimony and through teaching, um, through spiritual formation, through encouragement, through worship as well, to be able mm-hmm. to worship. Um, and so we have uh, great technology so that we can, we can have uh, worship teams. And, and so we like to provide that for our crew as an opportunity. But the other thing that we do is we've got lots of different meeting rooms where we can have people developing things that they, that they do in the evenings together, like Bible studies and, and small groups and things like that, that I think uh, is very, very um, helpful for the crew as well. Uh, and then we have a library, a, a fantastic library. We have a lot of books. Wow. And of course, the technology is amazing because we have technology now where we can pipe in um, people from all over. Uh, and mm. so we, we're not limited to just speakers that are on board, but we can bring speakers in from internationally, you know, to speak uh, through the, the wonders of technology. So I think um, the ship itself is just fantastic. And, and then there's the academy too, which I love the fact that 
that families belong to uh, to crew and they're very very important. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was young and I was in school in South Africa. Um, I was in boarding school there, and there was a, an, a young man that I met that I got um, really friendly with, and um, I, I finally found out that his parents were missionaries in Thailand. Mm. He saw his parents once a year. Wow. For about three wow. weeks. Mm. And uh, he, he was a troubled young man and he played up a lot. He got mm. into a lot of mischief and a lot of trouble. And I often thought to myself, wow, that must be so hard. And I remember thinking to myself, I would like to be involved in missions in some way, but not if, if um, kids are not going to be part of, of, uh, um, you know, of, uh, of, the, of the organization. I think mm. that is so important. And I love the fact, and of course you would have experienced that with having your three kids on board. Right. But, um, but we look after the littlest uh, of our people, yes. uh, of our crew members. And um, so we have a terrific school that, um, that provides biblically um, based, exceptionally biblically based, um, uh, sorry, exceptional biblically based uh, um, instruction as well. So I think, you know, starting... Uh, so the, the kids themselves are, are learning and, and uh, they're going to a Christian school and they're learning Bible and, and all of yeah. that. So I think, you know, all the way through, it sort of permeates. Yes. That, um, how do we help people? How do we come alongside people? And how do we um, have spiritual development, spiritual formation um, to, uh, to help people with what they're doing uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, while they're with us. And I think um, the new ship is really well suited to that because it's been purpose-built with that kind of thing in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's neat. And I think it's important probably to mention to anyone listening that it is not a requirement to be a Christian to come serve with Mercy Ships. However, we unashamedly say that, yes, we follow the 2,000-year-old model of Jesus and the heart of the organization is to bring glory to God. And we do this because of Jesus and because of his love. And we hear that a lot, but we welcome anybody to come and serve with us. What is one thing for you that you are most excited about in this new season of mercy ships as we bring two ships online as a, as a chaplain, you are the international chaplain for mercy ships. Yeah. What are you most excited about in this new, this new chapter? You know, I think the, the opportunity to, um, and I thank you for saying what you just said, because I think it is really important. No one is required to be a Christian. And certainly our patients, we do not. There's no ever a requirement for them no. to follow any, you know, to follow Christianity or, or in order for them to, to uh, we, we will serve anyone regardless mm-hmm. uh, of, of where they are in their faith journey. And I think what is exciting for me, because I think every one of us is on a journey yeah. in life. We're on a life journey, right? And uh, I think personally, I think for me, it's, it's harder to, to deny the existence of God than it is to, um, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to accept the existence and th- just as a scientist, I mean, the, the complexities of, 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 of life and, mm. and the universe just show me, uh, kind of scream out that, that, that there is intelligent design behind all of that. What I'm most excited about is I'll come back to, to what I said to, uh, to you before, to see lives being transformed and people recognizing in our patients and in our crew, people recognizing that they were put on this earth for a specific purpose. Yeah. That they were able to, through mercy ships, 
they were able to find a little bit more to find their purpose, to free it up mm. and to focus it. Yeah. And I think that if we can do that, if we can help people, and, and this is just not, not, just, not just helping our crew, but helping our, um, our patients, also helping our incredible partners yeah. who give to this organization because they feel that they're called, that this is their calling sure. to do that. Um, but if you can help people to find, to free up and to focus the life that they were born to live, mm. that to me is so exciting. And that's pretty much what gets me out of bed every day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's what I love to, to be involved in. I was listening to an interview with Dr. Larry Crabb, an incredible biblical counselor who died recently, but he was being interviewed and he said he was going through a particularly tough time and he felt the Lord say four things to him. And I want to leave the four things with those, these four things with those that are listening today. He mm -hmm. said he felt the Lord saying to him personally, I want you, I'm with you, I can use you, I'm coming for you. Mm -hmm. I want you, I'm with you, I can use you, I'm coming for you. And I would just say to all that are listening to this podcast, I feel like that's what God is saying to you. Mm. He wants us. He created us, but we need to come to him. He's with us. Mm. He's promised to be with us no matter what. Even it says that when we go through trials, when we go through waters, uh, deep waters, when we go through fire, we will not be burned. We will not drown. He can use us. If you're sitting out there thinking, you know, can I, can I use my talents? You know, contact us. Let us, let us tell us what you do. Yeah. It, we, we need all sorts of people to make this uh, organization uh, function and work. Yes. Uh, in, our, in our national offices, uh, around the world, uh, and on our ships and, and in our countries that we serve. And then the last thing, of course, is uh, I'm coming for you. And uh, ultimately, you know, we live our life knowing that one day we'll stand in the presence of the one who made us. And um, what a wonderful thing if we can find out and free up and focus the reason that we were put on earth in the first place. Dr. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your passion and your encouragement with us today. And thank you so much for 30 years of service with Mercy Ships. Oh, thank you so much. Well, such a good word from Dr. Andrew. God wants you. He is with you. He can use you. And he is coming for you. If you're looking for your passion and purpose, you just might find it on board one of our ships. Go to mercyships.org forward slash volunteer to find out how you can come on board. Next week, we'll hear from Meryl McKenzie, an OR nurse from Australia who will tell us all about the new hospital on the Global Mercy and the potential to transform even more lives. Mm -hmm.